Hello and welcome back. It's been a while, hasn't it, Susie? It has, Andrew. It's been quite a while, hasn't it? How are you? What have you been up to? You know, it's a very easy thing to say, you know, oh, I've been so busy. And yeah, I think that, that the simple answer is that it's it's been a very challenging time this year. As a result, it just means that that we haven't been able to record anything for about the last three months. Um, and, I, you know, we've been desperate to try and get this podcast out. Um, and now finally, we're getting round to it, right? Yes, we are finally. And yeah, you're right. It's been a while, but time is, it's a weird period, isn't it? Because in some ways it feels like Groundhog Day because of the ongoing sort of COVID open up lockdown, open up lockdown scenario. But then time also seems to be flying. So I can't believe that we're sort of in the middle of 2021 already. But I must say it is nice to get back to it, isn't it? It is nice to get back to it. It's nice to be here together again, having a good old chinny wag. Exactly. And who do we have on this week, Susie? This week, Andrew, we have the lovely Paul Harris, um, who heads up the APAC business for Rolls-Royce. Rolls-Royce, the motor cars. That's right, yes? Indeed, yes. And um, this one has been sitting in the archive for quite a while, actually, um, and um, we're really excited to get it out today. But uh, Paul very graciously had a chat with us a few months ago now. (laughs) It was a really fascinating discussion, wasn't it? It really was, I think, because we've all got our own sort of thoughts and and perceptions around Rolls-Royce. You know, it's one of the most recognised brands in the world, isn't it? So it was really nice to hear from Paul um, his his career journey with them and the work that he's doing out here in APAC and, and where they're moving towards as a brand. That's right. I mean, he's been with BMW um, that owns Rolls-Royce for an extremely long time. Um, but yeah, since his childhood has been you know, very into cars and and, and, and building model airplanes with his father. Um, yeah, he's had a very long and illustrious career. He has. It's obviously a, a massive passion for him, isn't it? So, yeah, shall we crack on? Yes, let's do it. Let's find out a little bit about who Paul is. So why don't you tell us a bit about yourself? Okay, I'm Paul Harris. I am the current incumbent of the very fortunate role of being the regional director for Rolls-Royce Motorcars in Asia Pacific. For us, that covers everything really, except for mainland China and Hong Kong and Taiwan. So that's India all the way through to New Zealand and everything in between. So it's quite a big patch really, but very exciting very dynamic and growing by the day. Such a prestige heritage brand, Paul. It must be amazing to work for them. And how how did you get into the business? Were you always a bit of a petrol head? What brought you to where you are now? It's a great question. First and foremost, Rolls-Royce for me is, of course, the pinnacle brand in automotive. And therefore, it's, you know, I'm very, very lucky and privileged to work for it. And being English also really helps too, I think very very close to the bmw group because they actually moved to my hometown in 19 i think it was 1979 or 1980 and they set up a national sales company there and they set this glorious fantastic piece of architecture up in an industrial state with these fantastic cars in the showroom i wasn't so sure that i wanted to work for a car company at that stage obviously um but my father was an engineer and he always always been in his workshop whittling away or making something. And he sort of dragged me with him really on a sort of fantastic journey. 
he was very much into aviation. And of course, Rolls-Royce is a name that's very associated with aviation. It's where it sort of, its roots and heritage really sort of started as well. So it's, uh, it, it's from that whole sort of connection with BMW Group being in my hometown. BMW Group didn't own Rolls-Royce then, but they did later. And then having the opportunity as BMW Group took over and me working for BMW Group and being able to go and join the Rolls-Royce organization in Goodwood. And I have to be honest, it's an absolute privilege. It's a unique opportunity as well because the company is small enough for me in one morning to have a discussion with an apprentice all the way through to the CEO without, you know, really realizing it, you've touched the sides on the way through. Mm. So it's really unique, very personal experience and a fantastic place to work. And you moved to Asia about 10 years ago, right? And That's correct. Yep. you had quite a large remit back then um, to grow the Rolls-Royce business in Asia, and that included China. We operate a franchise model, so that means that the dealerships who sell our cars on our behalf are independent of us, but they um, effectively sign up to a contract with us. When I first came to the region, we were just about to launch the very first iteration of Ghost, and I, I think at that time there was around about eight or nine dealers, including China, I'm not so sure for the exact number in China anymore because I sort of stopped looking after that back in 2013. But but we in the region here alone have 15, 16 retail and wholesale uh, retail wholesale service dealers. So quite a dramatic, I would say, trebling of the business scale in the region and also a trebling of volume as well. Wow. And and how have the last few months been for both you personally, Paul, and also for Rolls-Royce as a, a business, as a brand? I think there's been a lot of negativity talked about COVID and quite, quite rightly because it has impacted business quite significantly. But I would say that it's been a good experience because it really has accelerated the way that we've moved into the digital sphere. Yeah. And it has meant that we are able now to operate more efficiently and more effectively and even communicate in a better way of course there are limitations you've got mm. email through to face-to-face meeting of course face-to-face meeting is the best type of communication particularly in a highly personalized brand like Rolls-Royce one is through of course the power of video conferencing and the other is just me picking up the phone and speaking to our dealers and uh, customers directly and uh, gaining their feedback and seeing how they are and just keeping in touch with them and I think in a brand like Rolls-Royce, we're capable of doing that because we have a lot of customers, but it's not to the point whereby I or my team can't at least have a direct communication with each of them. Yeah. And and how has it been for you personally? Because I assume pre-pandemic, you were traveling a lot. Like a lot of people who, who are based here, a lot of their businesses across the region and they spend many hours on a plane or in hotels. So how have you found the transition to being at home um, and not traveling so much? Is it something that you've welcomed or do you miss the flying around? I started off missing it, of course, because I was in a routine. I was in a pattern of being away from home quite frequently, normally three to four days a week. But of course, that stopped almost overnight. So we had to adapt. What I think it's done for me personally is is it's brought in a sort of much more family focus and, and other focuses on things like your my mental well-being beyond work. Because you, yeah. it's very easy to sit at your desk all day long. Yeah and look at your computer but it's not very good for your body or your so I've been very active and forcing myself to do things for at least an hour every single day just to keep myself fit fresh and thinking differently and I think that getting out there and in and amongst the nature as best as you can early in the morning or in the evening really really does change your perspective and gives you an opportunity to think deeply reconsider things and do things differently than you may have done in the past you've spoken about rethinking things and looking Mm -hmm. at things again Mm -hmm. and finding new ways to do things in the workplace and with your colleagues 
What about the brand? Has the Rolls-Royce brand needed to do the same thing during this period? I think this period is relatively short, isn't it, in a sort of 10-year life cycle or even 20-year life cycle of Rolls-Royce. I, I, I think that the brand in itself over the last 10 years has evolved massively. If you think about the constituent parts of a brand, it's the product plus it's the personality and the combination of the product and the personality make a brand. Yeah. Now, of course, our main target audience are ultra high net worth individuals who wish to celebrate success with the commissioning of a Rolls Royce, as we like to call it. That dynamic of individuals, there is around about 250 to 300,000 of them globally, and they grow around about between 7 and 10% per annum, depending on where you look at the data. So it's a truly growing area of global society, and that's the sort of area that we needed to appeal to. The issue we had a while ago is with Phantom being the pinnacle of the brand is that Everyone, I think, assumed that it was a car that I could have later in life rather than earlier in life. And we really wanted to appeal to, uh, you know, a broader spread of younger, uh, successful entrepreneurs. And we did have some of those, but we wanted more of them. So we looked at the brand and thought, okay, what could we do? So the first thing we did was introduce the new Ghost, which was, of course, the first of the, what we call the business type of Ghost, so the everyday usable Ghost. You can either be in the back or the front driving it. Uh, and then that moved on into a very dynamic coupe called Wraith. And that changed some of the dynamic appeal. What I've learned about Rolls-Royce is that it's quite a lot to do with a change in perception because the old idea of the Rolls-Royce is that it is a sort of old man's car that you get driven around in. Whereas there is a perception change going on now to turn the Rolls-Royce into a car that you drive yourself that, as you say, is more open to a wider audience and I think the Wraith is really interesting in the sense that it's essentially a supercar. It's ridiculous. It's like a Ferrari, but it's a Rolls-Royce. Or am I allowed, I'm not allowed to say Ferrari around you, am I? Uh, you can mention other brands. It doesn't matter to me. Uh, but, <laughs> well, like the BBC, Andrew, we have to be brand agnostic. I think I would prefer maybe, maybe the term Italian sports car. Uh, yeah, I mean, yes, I would say that the word the, the word sporty, though, with Rolls-Royce probably is not an appropriate word as it used to be in the old language. Maybe moving at a pace would be more appropriate in terms of rather than sportiness. Have you achieved that perception change? Has your audience, your customer changed? Yes, is the honest answer. But I think it's work in progress. I, I would never, ever say that we've succeeded 100%. Because if we do the man on the street, survey i'm convinced that the earlier synopsis that you gave andrew in terms of the perception of rolls royce hasn't really changed for everyone and i think that only when the man on the streets uh, attitude or uh, opinion of rolls royce is something some somewhat different from what you've said then i think it, it we would have succeeded it's not something that we have got there yet and it's something that we will continue to work on it's always a challenge, isn't it, for heritage brands like Rolls-Royce to get the balance right between maintaining what makes you special as a brand, but also keeping abreast and up, up to date with what else is happening out in the wider world so that you keep the relevance regardless of what decade you're in. And I guess that leads me into a question that all car brands are having to look at the minute which is sustainability so i'm really interested to hear from you what's rolls royce's position on sustainability and what do you think 
Where do you think you're headed on that front over the next five or ten years? If you go to the home of Rolls-Royce in Goodwood, it is a near-silent ecological environment completely. It's a, it's a, a factory that's built inside a, a disused quarry. It's a beautiful building, but I've got to say, sorry to interrupt, but I don't know if our listener has two minutes just to just have a look at this. I mean, it doesn't look like a car factory at all, does it? It's an architectural building designed by a very famous architect in, in that way because we it's very much the home of Rolls-Royce. So we treat it as our home and we bring our clients to our home. So it's very much built with that in mind. It has a full green living roof. Um, the, the majority of water, if not all of the water in the plant, is completely recycled and captured and we use extraction and cooling ponds within the facility. It has its own ecosystem that exists within the plant mm. and we even have our own bees that produce honey inside Rolls-Royce as well. Oh, <laughs> a nice little side hustle there for Rolls-Royce. <laughs> I wouldn't say it's a commercial enterprise, but it's certainly, shall we describe it as a farm kitchen enterprise. <laughs> so it, it really interesting place to go. And, and therefore, everything that we do is very, very uh, driven by the way that we try and protect and manage our waste and our energy efficiency in the factory. We don't actually have a running production line. Mm. The production line is actually humanly controlled and the actual bodies are moved down the plant by individuals, not by machinery. We make around about 5,000 cars a year and our average mileage usage is very low. I think probably around about 50% of the normal car usage or less. So therefore, the impact on the environment for us, relatively speaking, is relatively minimal. But of course, we meet all of the EU standards. Rolls-Royce is probably famous for its near-silent ride, the magic carpet ride. And I would say that probably that near-silent ride, the magic carpet ride, lends itself incredibly well to electric. In 2013, we electrified a Phantom as a one-off experimental car. And we actually took it on tour and we interviewed customers, we interviewed journalists, and uh, got feedback from them and that's all gone into the melting pot in terms of what should we do and when should we do it and how should we do it and i and i think that it's very good very clear knowledge now that we will see the first electric rolls royce and by electric i mean 100 percent electric not a compromise not a uh, not a hybrid or anything like that it would be a 100 percent electric car during this decade oh okay that's interesting that's amazing yeah Amazing. Right. So, right. Let's get down to business. I'm an ultra high net worth individual. Okay. I'm one of those people you were <laughs> yep. talking about. Yes. I, I, I want to, I want a roller. Tell me about personalization. What can I do? I sound like Alan Partridge now. Tell me about personalization. <laughs> what can I do with my Rolls Royce? Well, there's nothing more individual than you, is there? So I suppose what is a representation of you? <laughs> <laughs> so, so, uh, because you can personalize to a really quite a very high spec can't you yeah of course you can as long as it doesn't interfere with uh, safety in the vehicle you can do almost anything that be that color interior structure it may be a small engraving inside the glove box that is very special to you but, and you know it's there but no one else does for example we take on many, many different types of commissions. We even have taken on certain commissions where people want to put memorabilia that they own within a car. So if we take the Phantom 8, best Rolls-Royce on the road, that has this thing called a gallery in the front of it. And that gallery is your own individual space where you can seal a piece of artwork within your car that is bespoke to you. 
that you can then of course see that gallery from the rear seats and the front seats of the car as a piece of artwork unique to yourself and i think we're still the only car manufacturer that's able to offer that capability it's absolutely amazing it's just one and there are many many others there's people who have got their own orchards who wanted to use a veneer from a cherry type of wood that we did not offer and so we had to then of course season it and let it you know age and that's a sort of four or five year process by the time we finish <laughs> so that that's how patient that individual was andrew what would you have if you were uh, having a bespoke rolls royce made what would be your main requests i think there'd probably be a musical theme try and fit a drum kit in there oh, yeah i forgot you're a classically trained musician aren't you andrew who ended up who ended up in broadcast so Paul, we ask all of our guests to give our listeners some recommendations on what they're listening to, reading and watching at the moment. I'm a bit like Andrew, I suppose, eclectic in many things, particularly listening and music. So uh, I I like to listen to uh, podcasts similar to yours. And I like, I, I actually like a very old quintessential classic, probably the oldest podcast recording the BBC produces, which is Desert Island Discs. Oh, love it. Classic. Love this for it. me as a fantastic level of storytelling. It has a, it's all highly personal and it has that lovely uh, little bit at the end where you've got the opportunity to take one of those and justify why you've only taken one of your chosen tracks and your luxury item. And the luxury item is always very funny. If you get a chance, listen to Kathy Burke because her luxury item was the funniest I've ever heard. Really? I haven't heard that one either. Yeah, that's definitely on the list. And then in terms of reading at the moment, because we haven't been able to travel so much this year and I've sort of missed it, I have been digging out some old classics and I've dug out some of the Bill Bryson books and I've been reading some of those. Oh, so I've Notes just... from a Small Island. Indeed, Notes from a Small Island was probably yeah. his most famous one, but The Little Dribbling yeah. is the one that I've just been reading at the moment. Oh, really? Which is, which is very funny because it has a very distinct reference in there to uh, one of the... One of the chapters is about Bogner Regis, which is just around the corner from our home of Goodwood. And he talks about Bogner, yeah. you know, very, very favorably. There's something I like about him being an American writing about English towns because he sees it with an eye that maybe oh, as a Brit you wouldn't see. You are yeah. so right. It's just that kind of outsider's perspective, but he's just such an eloquent writer. And mm. he makes, gosh... He's laugh out loud, funny whilst you're reading a book. You'll have people looking at you like you're a total idiot if you're in a public place. He's just, <laughs> I've been, I've cried laughing at his stuff. He's great. He is, isn't he? But he's, ve- but it's very, it's all done without any malice. It's got a very like yes. good natured feel to it, which is what I like because he sees all of the quirks and the, the eccentricities that, English places are full of, but it's all done in a very gently prodding way rather than a God, look at those idiots across yeah, the Yeah, rather than a kind of cynical, <laughs> yeah, cynical, angry way. Yeah, exactly. What have you been watching? <laughs> oh, that one. Uh, that's an interesting one because I like seeing Ricky Gervais do something more serious. So he's done this one where he's uh, unfortunately the survivor of a wife who's unfortunately passed away from cancer. That's Afterlife, isn't it? Afterlife. That is the yeah. one indeed. Yeah. It's really yeah. good. Really like, yeah. it. I like that. It, it is good. Yeah. And it's very honest would be the way mm. I describe it yeah. in terms of the way that it's portrayed. Yeah. That's it from the Paul Harris repertoire, some of which you've heard before, some of which you may have not seen. I wasn't going to recommend my own personal poetry publications because, of course, they're not worth worth, Well, feel free to plug. Feel free. Andrew's plugging his business all the time on here. (laughs) Only joking. 
<laughs> or am I? <laughs> that was great. Thank you very much indeed, Paul. Like a real honour to have you on and really, really interesting. Yes, thanks, Paul. Yes, I've learnt so much. You know, I thought I knew things about Rolls Royce, but I, I only knew the tip of the iceberg. So it's been super interesting. Thank you. It's a real pleasure. And uh, Andrew, it's a pleasure working with you. And if anyone out there is looking for the best video man <laughs> in the business, Andrew is your Keep man. Keep talking. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Paul. Thanks again. Take care. See you soon. He's such a great guy, isn't he? He is. And like his passion for not just Rolls-Royce as a brand, but for cars, you know, all that time he spent with his dad. Um, it's so interesting yeah. to hear that, that, that personal and professional journey that he's been on. He's an extremely thoughtful person as well, you know? And I think that in the job that he does, you have to be so mindful of, you know, everybody who's involved in that business because Rolls-Royce is such a personal brand, right? So it's not just your own staff that you have to be very mindful looking after. And he's clearly done a really good job during during this period of that. But it's also the customers and staying in touch with them and, um, you know, finding new ways to just to do that during this period. Whereas once, you know, he was able to travel everywhere and do that. Now he has to do it over a video conference. That's right. And I, and I guess unfortunately for us he's super discreet about his clients you know because we were trying to get out of him some of the weird and wonderful modifications that people ask for and he was very professional and very discreet so I'm sure his um his PR people <laughs> will be very happy with him it's lovely to talk to people like that because you know their job is very much their their purpose in life it's great so we'll be back again soon Please listen, like, subscribe. Yes, like and subscribe. You can find us on all of your uh, favourite podcast platforms. So share if you enjoy our random warblings. Um, we're very grateful for your support. Thank you. See you next time. Bye.